Good evening. Efreilichen Erev Hanukkah. We'll start off this evening with some show and tell. I brought a prop with me, and we're going to play a little game. Okay, someone has to volunteer to tell me the name of this particular religious item. Who would like to raise their hand and volunteer? Candelabra. Candelabra, okay, nice. Oh, a Hanukkah, all right. And you always have that guy, right? It's, it's not really a menorah, it's a Hanukkah. By a show of hands, how many refer to this item as a Hanukkah? Okay, <laughs> you're from Israel, that doesn't count. How many refer to this, as many normal people do, as a menorah? Okay, all right. I want to uh, explore briefly why is it that although it's a Hanukkah, many people still refer to it as a menorah. And although it sounds like somewhat of a trivial question, but uh, we'll see there is a lot of depth, I believe, behind the answer. Derech Hashem tells us that in general, when we approach the season of Hanukkah, there is, no pun intended, there is an or, there is a light, that is present, and the goal of all of us is to try our best to tap into that light, to tap into that unique energy of the Hanukkah season. What took place, we know, explains the Ramchal, when the Kohanim were able to overpower the Rishoyim in the times of Yovan, it was during a period where the Greeks were trying to remove the Jewish people from our service of God. But the Kohanim were strengthened. And through their lead, through the Hashmonaim, we were able to return to Torah and the Voda. So it's interesting, the main focus of the Ramchal, obviously we're celebrating the Nisim that took place, the miracle of the Melchama, of the battle, and the miracle of the, the Ner. But in, in a broader sense, we're reminding ourselves of a time period where we were this close to spiritual extinction, and through his chazkus, through a mesiris nefesh, through a strength of character and courage, led by the Kohanim, we were able to bring back Torah and Avodah. So that was the struggle of that time, and therefore the celebration is what? Celebration is, Baruch Hashem, we have Torah and we have Avodah. Sounds pretty straightforward. Many of us are aware of the comment of the Ramban, we know that during the inauguration of the Mishkan, all of the, the tribal leaders, the Nassim, participated in bringing the carbon. Aaron, though, and his entire Shevet, Levi, were not involved. So Chazal tell us that Levi, or that Aaron, rather, was feeling a sense of Chalisha's Hadas. I wanted to participate. I wanted to be part of this, uh, this amazing experience. And therefore, Hashem said to Aaron, don't worry, you're going to get something even better than what they got. Right? You think of 
Motzei Shabbos Kol Hanarim. A few kids get a chance to hand out slices of pizza, and then you have one little boy who wasn't able to hand out a slice of pizza, so you tell him, David, don't worry, you're going to give out the tickets. That's kind of what it sounds like. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling Aaron, I know you wanted to be involved. The, the language is, Al Tisyara, don't be afraid. Legedula Mezos Atamuchan. You're actually going to get something greater than what they received. What are you going to get? You get the opportunity of lighting the menorah in the Mishkan. You get to light the menorah. These are the, the words of the somewhat cryptic Chazal that the Ramban quotes. And the Ramban's troubled by the question, why is lighting the menorah greater than participation in the inauguration of the Mishkan? What exactly was that nechama? What was that comfort that Hashem was giving Aram? So explains the Ramban, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was not only referring to the lighting of the menorah in the Mishkan that took place thousands of years ago, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu was telling him, you should know that you will be Zoha through your descendants to have the miracle of Hanukkah happen through your Mesiris Nefesh, through your self-sacrifice, and the mitzvah that will be instituted, namely the lighting of the menorah, that will take place for all generations to come. So in that sense, you're gaining more. Whatever is happening in the Mishkan or in the Beis HaMikdash, that's limited to when we had a Beis HaMikdash. The unique quality of the mitzvah of lighting the menorah is that that will be here forever. Even when the temple is destroyed, the Jewish people will have the mitzvah of lighting the menorah. Meaning, in every single home, they'll have that obligation to light the menorah, and that will come through your descendants. You're getting more than the Nisiyim. What does that mean, you're getting more than the Nisiyim? Aaron wanted to, to be part of what was happening in the Mishkan, what would take place in the Beis HaMikdash. And the comfort that Hashem is trying to give him is, don't worry, there's going to be a, a mitzvah derabanan in the future, towards the times of the Second Temple, during the Second Temple. So it's a strange thing to tell Aaron, it's true you can't really be involved in what's going on in the Mishkan, but there's going to be a miracle and Chazal will institute the mitzvah derabanan of lighting the menorah how is that a nechama? It seems like what's going on is that the, the mitzvah that we have of lighting the menorah in our homes every year is viewed as really an extension or a continuation of the actual mitzvah of lighting the menorah that took place in the Beis HaMikdash. That's really what the Ramban is saying. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was telling Aaron, you will get the schos of lighting the menorah in the Mishkan, and this same schos will continue even after the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed. Even after there is no temple whatsoever, 
through you, Kalal Yisrael will continue to have a shaykhist, they'll continue to have a connection with the temple, with the Beis HaMikdash, through continuing to light the menorah. The menorah was only in the Beis HaMikdash. But every year we're going to be mamshich to continue that same mitzvah in our own homes. That was the nechama that Hashem was giving Aram. So just to take a step back and, and recognize, to be aware, that what we're doing every year is not just the mitzvah derabanan, we're lighting a menorah, but in the eyes of Chazal, this is viewed as literally a continuation of the avoda in the Beis Hamikdash, and we're doing that in our own homes every year. That's an amazing idea. So perhaps that's why many people call it a menorah, because really this is the continuation of the mitzvah of lighting the menorah in the Mishkan that we're now lighting in our homes. But here's the question I want to focus on for a moment. With this background, understanding that the mitzvah of menorah is really our avoda in the Beis Hamikdash, the only problem is we don't have a Beis Hamikdash. Where would it make the most sense to have the real mitzvah of menorah? And shul. The right? shul is called the Mikdash Ma'at. This is a, a miniature sanctuary. Where does the word temple come from to refer to a shul or a synagogue as a temple? Anybody know? What's that? Exactly. In the 1800s, during the beginning of the Reform Movement, part of the theme was, we no longer yearn for Zion, we don't need the temple in Jerusalem. We have our own synagogue. This is our temple. That's where it comes from. Now, there's some truth to that because we know Chazal referred to a shul as a mikdash ma'at. It's a small temple. So if we were getting together in a room, trying to think of a way, how can we commemorate the miracle of Hanukkah, knowing, based on the Ramban, that this is really the continuation of the avoda that took place in the Beis HaMikdash, I would have assumed, let's institute the mitzvah of lighting the menorah in shul. Do we actually light the menorah in shul? We do, but it's not really an obligation. It's a minig, it's a custom. It's a special custom, but that's not the chiv, that's not the obligation. Rather, the obligation is... Light it inside your home. Do you appreciate the question? If this is all about replicating the Beis HaMikdash, this is our avoda, it should be taking place at shul, not at home. Any ideas how to answer that question? Rabbi Isaac? You're saying in a post-COVID world, it makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe we tapped into a truth that our house was really mikdash. Uh, we weren't aware of it before, and now it makes more sense to have the memorial there. Beautiful, beautiful. I was at Publix with my, she just turned five yesterday, my five-year-old daughter. And she's looking at the, we're in the fruit section, the produce section, and she's looking at the oranges, and you could tell she's puzzled. And she's thinking somewhat deeply, and she says, Tati, 
Do oranges come from Publix or do they come from trees? It's a good question, right? Now, although we live in Florida, how many times has she actually seen an orange tree? I don't know. So I explained, really, they grow on trees, and then the farmers pick them, and they're shipped to the market. But ultimately, we could almost get lost in a world where we assume produce comes from the grocery store without the understanding or the, the background that really they're grown and they're, they're cultivated, they're developed in, in orchards, and then they're brought to the, the grocery store. Where is the, the Jewish neshama cultivated and developed? Where is it nurtured? In the bias, in the home. The goal is to be able to, to take those peros, to take those fruit, and, and inspire them and, and, and encourage them to go out into the world, go into the bate kinesios, bate midrashos, and this is a migdash ma'at, but the ultimate makor ha the source of sanctity, like Isaac pointed out beautifully, it could be now in the, in the post-COVID world, we have a greater, I guess, appreciation for this truth. The core of Kedusha is in the bias. That's the orchard. So when Chazal told us, I want you to replicate the Yavoda and the Beis HaMikdash, not through doing it in shul. That's a nice custom. Do that as well. But the real obligation is, do it in your bias. Ishu beso. I think the message there is very powerful. If we're celebrating returning to Torah and returning to Avoda, and the struggle that, that was alive and well thousands of years ago is clearly alive and well in the time in which we live, the celebration is we want to fight just like those Kohanim did. We want to have the Mesiris Nefesh. We want to have that, that total devotion. Where does that come from? Where does the power come from? The light to push away the darkness, the, the Kedusha to repel the Tumah? It comes from the bias. This is on, source, on page 2, source 5. So the Gemara tells us the mitzvah is ner ishu beso. Officially, the obligation is lighting one candle in your house. No matter how many people you have, you are yotze, the bare minimum. Then it goes on to tell us that ideally you want to place it al pesach beso mi right by the door outside. And then u bishas hasakana, but in times of danger, manicha ala shulchan vidayo. Then you could bring it inside, leave it on the table, and that's sufficient. But what's intriguing is even though there's obviously a focus, a unique focus of persume nisa, of wanting to, to publicize the nascent and share it with the world, it's still al Pesach Beso. It's by the entrance of your home. So there's clearly this intimate connection between it's got to be the bias. This is the obligation. We want you to, to be mefarsem, to publicize the nascent. But the bias is the, the source of Kedusha. Now, it's interesting when Chazal referred to the time period of, of Yovan, we know it's called Choshech. Choshech ze Yovan. Choshech means darkness. That's Malchus Yovan. 
if there was any period of persecution that we would look at and probably not think of the word darkness, it would be Malchus Yovan. What was happening in the world during the times of the Greeks? Was it just barbaric, dark ages with no advancements in civilization, no culture, no science? It was quite the opposite. This was the, the flowering, really, of, of civilization. Everything that we have nowadays in the realm of science and math, the, the foundation of that goes back to the Greek civilization. There was, there was art, sculpture, theater. So if anything, to, to look at that particular gullus and call that choshech is a surprising title. It wasn't dark. It was the Enlightenment. Why do Chazal refer to this time as darkness? Any ideas? Spiritually dark, but why was it more spiritually dark than the times of Mitzrayim or Bavel? What was unique about... Oh, beautiful. Darkness always has the connotation of, I, I can't see clearly. In every other time of persecution, in Mitzrayim, in Bovel, during the Roman uh, Gaulus, there was a clarity. I'm looking at you, and I could see you are evil and aggressive and violent. I don't want to be close to you. I don't want to emulate you. You're Rishoyim. I remember reading the famous description of a Holocaust survivor that there was a little boy who was picked up by a Nazi. He was about to be thrown into the back of a, a truck. And the boy starts shouting at this Nazi. He says, You're Esav and I'm Yaakov. And although you might kill me, I'd rather be Yaakov. Every other persecution, every other gullus, it was a time of light in the sense that there was no mistake in who we are and who they were, and it was, it was a trying time, but there wasn't a confusion to it. Yovan was a malchus of choshech because they looked so civilized. They seemed humane. They weren't trying to kill us. They just wanted to uplift us and get rid of some of our old-fashioned beliefs. So I want to share with you the description here of Shimshon Pincus, the way he elaborates on this time of Choshech, understanding that if this is the, the ore we're trying to tap into, understanding what that confusion was, what that confusion is presently, and what we can do, not just in the celebrating, but in the continuing of the Malchama, of the Kohanim, something that really needs to start in the home, we have to understand what Choshech is referring to. Let's take a look together on page 3. Rav Shimshin Pincus says, Halechach oso aleinu lilmud me hu. The message we have to take from the Nesav Hanukkah 
is ki im odem rotze bechol ma'odo bekochol legaresh es achoshech that a person needs to develop and cultivate a rotzon, a real desire to push away the darkness, to push away the confusion. Laoso choshech hashorah ba'olam hazeh yeshnam tzirim rabim. What are some user-friendly examples of the choshech that we face daily? This is an amazing insight. The greatest form, the greatest example of darkness is people thinking they're small, people underestimating their own abilities. In Slobodka, they used to say the greatest sin was katnus hamoach, being narrow minded, both in the way I would view myself and the way I would view the world. Says of Shimshon Pincus, this is the greatest form of choshech that we ourselves struggle with. We view ourselves as ketanim. We don't expect much. What can I do? We don't push ourselves because we assume I don't have the capacity to really achieve. The goal every year is to be misboning, to think about the nes of Hanukkah. If you had to put yourself in the mind of those people who were willing to risk their lives, not because their own lives were in danger, but because their spirituality was in danger, they had to view themselves with some level of confidence. Obviously, it was all Amunda and Bitachon, but we couldn't be part of that team fighting and being successful if we're viewing ourselves like a bunch of children. Listen, there's a massive army. What can we do? I'm a cotton. I'll let someone else take care of it. There had to be a feeling of godless, of real capacity, of real potential. Where does this potential come from? Obviously, it's the neshama. The neshama explains of Shimshon Pincus. Ner Hashem nishmas Adam. It's eno mugbal, the neshama, the koach that we have within each of us has no limitations besides those that we create in our own mind. The beauty of Yovan was this, this ability to become intoxicated with the comfort, with the chetzonius, with the superficialities of the world never looking inward and asking, what more can I do? If I'm content, if I'm satisfied, then I'm good. The mission is during Hanukkah that we should remind ourselves, there was an awesome thing that took place. Obviously, it's the miracle, and it was all a Kaddish Baruch Hu. But there had to be a catalyst, there had to be a sense of gavura, of godless, an understanding of the limitless potential that we have to be able to even enter that fight. We want to tap into that. And this example, I feel, is very poignant. This is top of page four. Chanukah hu azman lishbor tzures achayim zu. That means not only in, in the details of life, but even having the courage to rethink the path of life that I happen to be on. Maybe my whole worldview, maybe my, my assumption of what I, what I can be or what I should be, 
is totally flawed. Maybe I could break down that, that wall and have a much broader perspective of myself. I'll give you one example. I have a fellow who learned in Kolel for a few years. And during the yeshiva, during those times, there's always a sense of, of a she'ifa, of ambition, trying to accomplish more. Once a person makes that transition, where I'm no longer a yeshiva student, but rather I'm joining the workforce, I'm making a parnasa, I'm supporting my family, it's very hard to shift in a healthy way from what I was doing up until now for many years and my new journey in life. Am I still the, the bentor I was before? Obviously, I, I can't think in the same terms. I'm in a very different reality. But on the other hand, I want to keep that identity. But what could happen is, as the years go by, I, I begin to form a new identity. I'm not that same person I was before. Shimshon Pincus is saying, Hanukkah is a time we could ask ourselves the question, am I, am I striving for greatness in different areas of spirituality, even though I'm no longer in that environment that's as conducive? I'm not learning many hours a day, but does that mean that I've given up on a dream of achieving real greatness? We could break through that barrier. Not just personally, but I think this line is extremely powerful. We're not limited by our own small-mindedness. Nor do we have to be limited by the small-minded nature of the generation. And this is a conversation I just had recently and a few different applications of it. When it comes to technology, there's a big push, even in the firm world right now, which, is, which sounds reasonable. We have to accept life. Everyone has access to everything. It's no longer a question of sheltering ourselves or our children. It's just teaching and educating how to be responsible and how to create proper gedarim. Uh, but, but give up. We've already lost the fight. It sounds reasonable. But that's not the Das Torah. We have the ability to rise above that and ask questions like, just because this is what's going on, does that mean that I have to be part of it? Do I have to give in to a culture that I feel is ultimately unhealthy and detrimental to myself and my family? And the answer is no. I don't have to be going down the stream just because it's more comfortable or just because many other people that I know and respect might happen to do that. The idea of Hanukkah, of pushing away the choshek, explains beautifully of Shimshon Pincus, is taking these eight days and not just enjoying and thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for all of the nisim that we experience daily and the nisim that allowed us to come out of the darkness, but to ask ourselves the question, am I doing anything where I'm proactively increasing the darkness in my own life or the life of my family? And can I be doing other things to be pushing away the choshech more than I am? 
Can I rise above some of those self-imposed limitations or narrow-mindedness that have almost been shoved down my throat based on the culture in which I live and start asking questions of, do I have to be here? Am I allowed to go in a different direction? That's really the mission of Hanukkah. The Hashmanaim themselves, what did they first do when the Greeks came in and they took over the temple? Did they fight back immediately? What did they do, historically speaking? They ran away. They were hiding in caves. Why did they run away? Because at the time, that made the most sense. They didn't think of fighting. It wasn't, it wasn't logical. How can we even try? They're going to devour us. So they ran away. Explains of Isaac Sher, after a few years, they had a change of heart. Right? The situation wasn't different, but they were able to look deeper into themselves and realize, even though we're safe and secure because we're not facing the fear of the Greek Empire, I don't think this is what God wants from me. I'd be a lot more comfortable staying here and knowing that I could raise my children and knowing that they're going to continue having a father in their life. But I no longer believe that's really the Ratzon Habore. It's when they had that, that inner turmoil, questioning their own path in life, and then deciding, you know what? I think we have to go back to Jerusalem and actually fight. That was the beginning of the nace of Hanukkah. So Hanukkah is a time where we light the Hanukkah, but if you want to call it the menorah, you could call it the menorah. Because it's really a continuity, it's a continuation of the avodah that took place in the Mishkan, in the Beis HaMikdash, and we bring that into our lives every year. This is the one time a year that all of us, although many of us are not Kohanim, we could do avodah in the Beis HaMikdash. Why is it not in shul? Because the Makor HaKadusha, the source of the sanctity of the Jewish people, is in the bias. That's the orchard. The cultivation, the nurturing, the growing, that takes place at home. That's why, parenthetically, the mothers are referred to as the Akeris bias. That's why the Rebbeinah Bechaya writes, and the Rebbeinah Yonah as well, that it, really the Judaism and, and the Ruchnius come from the Mami because the mommy is the bias, and that's where the Kedusha comes from. That's where my, my Jewishness comes from. It's not a coincidence that Jewishness comes from the mother, but it's the connection to the bias. That's our Migdash Ma'at. What are we focusing on in this Migdash Ma'at? What is our role? What is our obligation within this, this holy sanctuary? is to try to continue pushing away the choshech, the choshech of katnus, of small-mindedness, not to allow the vision we've created of ourselves over the years to stunt my growth, and not allowing the, the norms of society, even if we're hearing voices within the firm world telling me otherwise, not allowing those voices to keep the darkness within my home. It doesn't have to be there. And therefore, my bracha to all of us is, as we light the Hanukkah or menorah, we're not just bringing light, but we're also removing the choshech, the choshech, the darkness of small-mindedness, and Amir Hashem broadening our horizons and creating that healthy place of Kedusha for our children as well. All right, thank you. <laughs>